0: And your love for others would be seen and heard. Um, And at this time, I'd like to introduce our guest preacher all the way from the West Coast, uh, Dale Norris. So give him a hand. Come on up, buddy. Uh, Dale is a dear friend. He's a fellow board member of the city movement. And so just a reminder... We are a church that meets in the Y. The city movement is an acronym for church in the Y. We're not the only church that meets in the Y. Uh, and so we are together with many churches around the country uh, doing church on purpose, making the Y the primary platform of ministry into the community. And uh, we believe in this vision, and we're excited about it. Dale um, is going to tell his his story, um, and um, he's going to share with us from the heart of God, um, Christ's heart for the lost. And we pray that um, you, as a result of being here today, would your heart would swell for those who are far from God, uh, those who are around you, that that uh, how God is going to use you and and. And grow you to be a light to the gospel. And so, Dale, thanks for coming here. Amen. This week we got some uh, board meetings and thinking through some things. And so we're excited about that. But uh, Dale's a good friend. And would you give us the word brother?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You. Hey, it's my privilege to be here. I kind of feel like I'm interrupting the service. Like, let's just keep doing what we're doing. This is awesome. I love coming to Y Churches um, because it's an opportunity for me to be kind of back in In what um, I was pastoring a Y church for eight years in uh, kind of that Seattle area in the north, up in the northwest corner of the United States. And um, our our Y was a little different. Um, It was more of a traditional swim and gym kind of Y. We were in the arts and kind of dance studio area. And uh, we had the guy up above us on the second floor doing the medicine ball on the floor. And we had, you know, the janitor would come through occasionally and lots of different stuff that would happen. But I love church in the Y. I love the the sweetness of the fellowship, and I and I love the vision for uh, being where the people are. And um, I just need to say, you know, while right from the beginning, um, I love Mike. That guy's a good pastor. You guys have got a winner, and uh, I hope you uh, appreciate him. Um, I met Mike a few years ago at Silver Bay. It's the retreat center that we go to once a year with YMCA uh, chaplains and pastors and those sort of things. And uh, boy, I was just really impressed with him and, and touched by his tender spirit, his kindness, his gentleness, um, things that are are not things that I have naturally that I need the Holy Spirit to help so much with. And I, I just look at him and go, boy, that guy. I just love him. So uh, I really see him reflected in this congregation, just in the conversations I've had and and So I'm excited to be here. Uh, I've been kind of uh, eavesdropping a little bit on a few of your services over the last several weeks and, and paying attention to the Foundations uh, series and what's going on with uh, what it looks like with those arrows. Uh, this relationship, this up arrow, relationship with God, uh, and the, the arrows pointing in, the relationships with one another. And I was excited this week for this, the idea of this out arrow, uh, the relationship with the world. What's it look like? How are we to, to be engaged with the world? One of the things that's so interesting to me is whenever you come to God's word, I believe you start to see the heart of God. God's word is living and active. It, it reads us as much as we read it, and it, it begin, the Holy Spirit moves. Whenever we look into God's word, one of the things I see is the heartbeat of God throughout scripture for his people, but not just for the people in, in, in the church, for the people outside. And that we're called to go out. And these the, the out arrow is a vital part of who we are and what we're to be about in, in the kingdom work of God in this world. So I'm excited to spend a few moments with you today. And I want, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to uh, Mark chapter 5. We're going to look at a passage here that's that's actually one of my favorite passages. It's, it's a, an incredible story. It picks up where uh, Jesus um, is traveling across the Sea of Galilee. And he's, he's just calmed the sea. The disciples went through a little crisis of faith as they went through a storm on the sea and thought they were all going to drown. And Jesus calms the ocean. Calms the sea. And he looks and goes, what, what were you guys worried about? What is wrong with you guys now? Come on. And what we see is not only can he calm the natural uh, wind and the waves and all that, but what we see in Mark chapter 5 he can calm The storm in the soul. So we look at Mark chapter 5. He says, they came to the other side of the sea, the country of the Gerasenes. um, When Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him, out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. This is a man who's possessed by demons. He lives among the tombs. It's a man who lives in the tombs. He lives in the cemetery. He lives with dead people. No one could bind him. Not one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he'd been bound with shackles and chained, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. And there, Mark's starting to unpack this little story, and he's starting to describe a situation where you're like, Whoa, what did Jesus just walk into? What are the disciples walking into? There's a demon possessed guy who lives in the tombs. He's got supernatural strength. He, they've, they've tried to subdue him, and they can't. He's terrorizing the, the whole region. He's in a hopeless, horrible situation. They won't even allow him to be in the community anymore. He has to live out in the tombs. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, verse 5, night and day among the tombs and on the mountain, he was always, always crying out and cutting himself with stones. This might be one of the saddest pictures of a person that we see in Scripture. This is a horrible existence. This is a person who's demon-possessed, isolated, cut and bruised, cries and cuts himself all night, all day. Always. It's a sad situation. And you can imagine the people in the community are kind of going, what are we going to do about old Crazy Larry up there? Now, that's, I, I used the name Crazy Larry because that's kind of, my friend calls him Larry. They don't give us a name, but it's better than the demoniac. You know, that's kind of what some Bible's kind of the man with the name. So we're just going call him Larry. And you can imagine the people in the community, like, what, what do we do? Listen, you can imagine people coming into the town and saying, this looks like a nice place. This looks like Lebanon. This looks like downtown, you know, the Hallmark movie we've seen, or whatever it is, you know, and they're walking in, and, and then they just hear shrieking. Now, what is that? Yeah, that's... um. That's Larry up there. And they're like, what? And he goes, yeah. Yeah, we have a situation on our hands. We try to keep him up there. We've tried to subdue him. We've we've chained him down. And he just gets loose. We don't know what to do, to be honest. He kind of wreaks havoc on everything around us. He's disrupting the whole neighborhood. Property values have dropped significantly, let me tell you. And Jesus and his disciples are showing up, and it says in verse six. And when Jesus, when uh, when Larry sees Jesus from afar, he ran and fell before him. And you can imagine the situation that he's in, the dire straits that he's in, the hopeless, uh, just unbearable, unbearable situation. And he sees Jesus, and perhaps he's running to him. Maybe this guy can help. Maybe he's heard rumor, maybe, maybe not. But he runs to Jesus. Before Larry can say anything, a loud voice comes crying out of him. What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? The demons speak to Jesus. I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. There's a confrontation, and, and this, this this demon-possessed man comes and falls before him, and the demons speak up, recognizing this is Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. Uh-oh. What's going to happen? And they they beg him. It says, I adjure you. That's the word beg. I implore you, please. Recognizing the power of Jesus, and Jesus... Stops and asks a question. He says, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion. For we are many. And the story gets worse. He's not possessed by a demon. There's many demons. You know, a legion of soldiers in a Roman army could be four to 6,000 soldiers. It's a, it's a huge number of people. I would think there's at least 2,000 by what you'll see later in the story. But there's there's multiple demon oppression in this man's life. And Jesus says, what is your name? He says, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly, do not send us out of the country. There's this interesting thing in this sentence, because he's saying, my name, for we, do not send us. You see the back and forth. He's speaking for himself. He's speaking for all the demons. It's just kind of this incredible little passage. He says... Please don't just send us out in the country now there was a great herd of pigs feeding on the hillside and the demons begged, implored send us into the pigs let us into them you see they recognize immediately the power of Jesus, the Son of the most high God, and they recognize this is the most powerful person we've ever come across in- contact. This is the son of the most high God. and Just fall and beg. Please, whatever you do, can we just go into the pigs? And Jesus uh, and the herd number was about 2,000. That's where I get that 2,000. Jesus gave them permission. Jesus overall. He gives them permission. The unclean spirit comes out and enters the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. This is an incredible situation. I, I, what a passage. Now, here we, we kind of change camera angles. We get to chapter or, or verse 14. We see it from the herdsmen. These herdsmen um, are, are, excuse me, verse, uh, yeah, from the, the herdsman's perspective. There's a there's a bunch of uh, two thousand pigs in this flock, and there's some herdsmen who are around who are supposed to be responsible for keeping it there and making sure that "Ah, keep you over there. You know, they're making sure that these this herd stays protected and taken care of. You can imagine as they're watching, they're up on the hillside, kind of watching this situation unfold. They're not part of it, but maybe they're up on the hillside watching. And maybe they see a boat coming in, the boat with the disciples and Jesus, and they're like, hey, who are these guys coming in? I wonder what's happening. Who's coming to our town? Paint You know, there's not a lot to do as you're watching the pigs, so that would be pretty entertaining. They get there, and they see the guys start getting out of the boat, and uh uh-oh, Larry's running right at them, guys. And you can see him going, get back in your boat, (laughs) get away, get away. He's oh, he's coming right at him. And then they see something they've never seen before. Larry falls on his knees. What's happening there? And they're watching this situation unfold. And maybe they're looking, they see him looking up, and and all of a sudden. pigs go wild (laughs) and the, the whole flock goes running down the hillside and drowns their whole responsibility maybe their economic you know livelihood all these things come into play and verse 14 picks up with what the herdsmen do the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the countryside they had to run back and say you guys won't believe what happened We were up out watching the pigs. We were taking care of the flock. A boat full of guys came in. There was a conversation. I heard a little bit of it, but I don't know what happened. And all of a sudden, all the pigs went down and drowned. And I don't know what's going on. And so all the people in this city have to come out and see what happened. And when they came to Jesus... And they saw the demon-possessed man, Larry, sitting there. The one who had the legion sitting there. Clothed. And in his right mind. And you can imagine the celebration that must take place in that town when they realize the one who's been tormenting us, the one who's been shrieking, the one who's been tormenting himself is no longer... Crazy Larry, it's just Larry. Look at him, he's sitting there. He's clothed. This is wonderful. He's in his right mind. You can imagine they would celebrate. You can imagine they'd they'd say, this is a special day. Let's put on a big feast. But you keep reading. What's it say? They were afraid. And you can imagine their perspective. See, the only thing they know is this guy comes into town, Larry bows down before him, and all these pigs were killed. We don't know, but we've had enough problem handling Larry, who is this guy, that he's even more powerful. And you can imagine at some sense in, in the back of their minds, They're no longer afraid of Larry, but we don't have a clue about what this guy's going to do. We thought that was bad enough. Who's this guy? And they were afraid. And those who had seen it, described what had happened to the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and they began to beg. There's that word again. They began to beg Jesus to depart from the region there's a story that's unfolding this incredible transformation this incredible miracle that happens in the life of this man who's only known pain and only known suffering and there's transformation he's in his right mind he's clothed he's sitting at jesus feet and the people come out and say you have got to get out of here and at some level you might understand that they're coming to a point where they're going look all we've lived with is chaos we don't know what we're getting with this new guy, but we don't. Can, can we just have normal around here? Can we just have some peace? All we know is that I don't. Maybe he hates pigs. Maybe there's something else he hates around here. You know. But there's this this unfolding, and instead of uh, being joyful and rejoicing, they're afraid. And instead of going, "Hey, tell us more who you are." They want him to leave. You need to go. A little bit of knowledge about God can be scary. A little bit of knowledge of an all-powerful God who wants to shape and lead and guide your life without knowing who he is or what he's all about can be scary. Have you ever experienced people who say, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Have you ever had that conversation? Look, that might be good for you. I don't want to have anything to do with it. That's basically what the town people are saying. Thanks, but no thanks. Can you take your your little tribe of guys and, and, and hit the next port? Because we have had chaos here. And we don't want it anymore. Not really knowing who Jesus was. And they begged him. And they begged him. And Jesus said, okay. Load up the boat, fellas. It's a quick trip. Jesus, we just got here. Load them up. We're, we're going we're to go. And as he's getting into the boat, Larry comes up to Jesus. He says, can I come with you? Can, you've changed my life. You've touched me. I, I can, I'm, I'm in my right mind. I want to go where you're going. I want to do what you're doing. And you can imagine the scenario. He's looking at the guys in the boat who are the disciples. And he's looking at the people behind him with the picket sign saying, Go home, Jesus, and we don't want you, and all the angry crowd. And he goes, I want to be in the boat with those guys. I don't want to be with this crowd anymore. Can I, can I go? And you guys all know Jesus. You know Jesus enough if you've been around a little bit. Of course, Jesus, wants come follow me. Come on. Hey, if there's not room in the boat, I'll walk on the water. You can take my seat. Better yet, Judas, give him your seat. You're with these guys. Right? But the, And he says, of course, right? But as you continue to read, it's the next six words in verse 19 he says and he did not permit him and you can see him come up and say did i get it did i get it wrong did i, did I read you wrong did i did i miss something and he's like ah oh, is it is it my my past is it kind of you know i'm i'm cut up and Is it is it my my past? And there and there's this this wrestling you can imagine in this heart of saying, why these guys have begged you to to you you said yes to the demons who were begging you. This town is begging now. I'm begging you. Can I go? And you're saying no. And if it was me, and maybe maybe you can relate if if I was in that situation, maybe you'd start to wonder. Well, do you even care about me? Did I I read it wrong? And Jesus (laughs) with heart of compassion looks at Larry and says, It's I care for you more than you can ever imagine. But I don't just care about you. I care about those people too that are behind you, that are telling me to leave. I don't just care about you, I care about all these people. And I've got to go but you can stay here. And he says, he did not permit him to go. Instead, Jesus says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And there's this picture of a conversation where he's going, what? I don't get it. Why, you, why can't I go? What's? can I do? And the light turns on. In the words of Jesus, he sees Jesus' heart. He's only been a Christian, you know, for a day. He doesn't know a lot about the Lord, and his heart starts to beat in tune with Jesus, and he goes, I see what you're saying. I get it. You don't just love me, you love them. And for, for me to be part of what you're doing, I've got to have a love for them like you do. And it would be fun for me to go on the boat. It'd be fun for me to hang out with the guys. It'd be fun for me to be on mission there, but you have a plan for me to be on mission right here. And you can imagine the boat goes off and the crowd kind of goes back to their home. Phew, we averted that disaster. That guy's gone. And you can imagine kind of Larry in the middle. Seeing the boat go, and seeing Jesus go, and at some point, maybe just the normalcy of life possibility for Larry, because he's kind of crazy Larry in this town. He's got a little bit of a reputation in this town. He's got some things to overcome. A little nervous. In fact, there might even be some things going, can you just leave a couple of the disciples with me? I haven't been doing this for very long. I've just known you for a day. I haven't taken the class on evangelism. Jesus says, Go to your friends, tell them how much the Lord's done for you, and how he's had mercy on you. And he went away, and he began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. The Decapolis is 10 cities. We have Minneapolis, you know, the twin cities. And, and where I'm from in Washington, we have three little cities called the Tri-Cities. This is a Decapolis. It's ten cities. He went back. Larry goes back and tells his family. He tells his friends. He goes, well, might as well tell the whole city. He starts working his way through. Hey, let's go to the next city. How about the next city? He goes to ten cities. He said, I'm going to keep telling people what God's done because he transformed me so much. He's given me hope. He's given me peace. He's given me a new life. He's given me everything. and i got to tell you about it. And everyone was saved. No, no, it says, and everyone marveled. That's an interesting word, isn't it? Marveled. Some may have marveled, like, huh? I can't believe what this guy is saying. But some may have marveled and goes, I can't believe what this guy's saying. There's hope for me. He's saying that I don't have to live like I've always lived anymore. I can imagine the conversations that Crazy Larry had, no longer crazy. Now he's just Larry. Meeting people, talking to people, getting to know different people, and that eventually someone, you know, might be saying, "Hey, what's, what's with the scars, Larry?" And he'd get a chance. He'd say, "Well." I used to cut myself. I don't do that anymore. If you want to get a cup of coffee, I can tell you a little bit about this guy who helped me. This guy who saved me. Everything's been different. And slowly but surely, Larry worked his way through. And he reached people through his story, telling them what the Lord had done. Now he had had mercy. There's a few things I just want to pull from this story because I think it's an incredible story. We're Larry in this story, by the way. <laughs> if, you're, if you're putting yourself in the story, too many times when we read a parable where we're, we're uh, Jesus in the story and we like to save everybody, but that's not our role. Jesus is Jesus in the story. We're Larry. We're the ones... Were desperately lost, who had nothing to offer, who were isolated and alone, naked and stuck and enslaved to sin. Before we knew Jesus, that was all of our spots. And the first thing I think about with this story is if we really want to be used, if we really want to develop this idea of going out. And, and being used by God to, to bring the, the mission of God forward and to be part of building this kingdom of God or, uh, around our community and around the world, the first thing we have to do is we need to understand we have to have an encounter with Jesus. We have to personally have a transformative encounter with Jesus. Before we go and share Jesus with anybody, we need to want, we need ourselves to have an experience with Jesus where we submit and surrender our lives to him. Where we come and fall on our knees before Him and just say, "Lord, everything is Yours. Will You forgive me? Will You will You take these filthy rags in my life and make them pure and righteous? Will You will You take? Can I can I just be forgiven of the sin from the the sacrifice You made on the cross for me? You need to experience the power and transformation that comes from knowing Jesus yourself. We're not, you know, Jesus didn't die on the cross to make bad people good. He died on the cross and paid our penalty to make dead people alive. Right? And so we've got to become alive in Christ. We've got to have that first kind of up arrow fully functioning where we're we're living in relationship with Him. We're experiencing the power and the transformation in our own lives before we can offer anything to anybody. Otherwise, we're just out there kind of like, You know dudley do right saying you should do this and you should do that and they're like who are you to tell look at your life you have nothing to to offer us we need a savior we need to experience the transformation of becoming a new creation going from dead to alive second thing i was thinking about with this story We must be with people who don't know Jesus if we want to reach people who don't know Jesus. It's interesting to me this picture. I've never seen an uh, another illustration where Jesus says, "No, you don't. You can't follow me. I don't want you coming with in the boat with me. I don't want you coming with all these other guys." I see, and it's a picture of him saying, "Look, there's work to do here, and I want you on mission." Here. I want you to be with these people who know you, who know your reputation, who know your history. I want you to be with these people who have demonstrated they don't want to have anything to do with me, but they need to know your story. It's not enough to be for, like, being cheerleading for evangelism or to to be working uh, with a committee that's for evangelism or to to uh, write a check towards reaching people for Christ we've got to be with people who are lost if we want to be used for God's kingdom work now I don't know about you if in, in this area I'm kind of new in this around this region but you know we have the Seahawks I don't know if there's a local sports team in this area that has any kind of football ties um, but, but if you can imagine, there's a big game today, I understand. I thought that's why Mike was having me come preach, so he could you know, go to Kansas City or something, but uh, he's right here. But there's a big game today. There's going to be a stadium full of people. There's going to be cheerleaders. There's going to be all the stuff around this event. And all of them cheering and saying, Go, We're, we want this. We're all excited for you. Go. But there's only the guys in the uniform on the field who are moving the ball back and forth. Those are the ones contributing to moving the, 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 the goal forward. The Cheerleaders can yell from the side, go, yeah. The fans can yell from the top of the stadium and they can even have a jersey that they bought at the team store, but they're not on the team. It's the men in the trenches that are going to move this ball back and forth in this game. Now here's the good news. When you experience Jesus Christ in your life and you've accepted Him as Lord and Savior, you've been enlisted into the game. There's a jersey with your name on it and He's like, get in the game. You don't, you don't stand by the sidelines anymore. You're not going to be up in top of the stadium anymore having to just cheer. You can get in the game. Now, there's some things that happen in the game. You know, you, you get some bumps and bruises. It's a little tougher playing in the game than sitting on the couch. But you're part of it. And if we want to actually be part of the kingdom work of reaching the lost people, we've got to have a heart to, enough to be with lost people, people who don't know. We've got to be able to overlook the fact that they don't want Jesus in their life and still come and love and care and serve. How are you doing in that area? How are you doing in having other people in your life, maybe people that aren't even people you want to be with, but you want to share Jesus with? How's that happening for you? The third thing, the last thing I want to just share about this story is, we must be willing to hear the story and be willing to be vulnerable with our story if we want to share Jesus Christ with anybody see they're not characters in a play where we're the christian and they're the non-christian and i'm going to say my lines and they're going to say theirs and i got better lines and so i'll convince them and then they're going to say yes and then i get to tell a story about how that's not how it goes the people recognize when they're a character in your life and you treat them that way they want to know that you care They want to know that you love them. They want to know that you're willing to hear their story before you get to even share your story sometimes. Sometimes they're not very interested in your story until they know how much you care about their story, right? But we've got to be willing to share our our story when the opportunity comes of how Jesus changed our life, how Jesus transformed our life, scars and all. Right? You can imagine... I don't know about you, but my temptation is sometimes to cover up the scars. To cover up the things that are, the blemishes and the things that don't really make me look good. It's kind of interesting that way. But actually, I was thinking about this and I was thinking, uh, Paul talks about a thorn he had in the flesh. Paul had a thorn in 2 Corinthians 12, uh, chapter, chapter 12, verse 9. He says, I have this thorn that's become a, just a just a real frustration to me. It's a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. This is the Lord's response. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Paul says, okay, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, calamities. For when I am weak, he is strong. If we really want to see a movement or be part of the movement that God's already doing in this area and all over the world, what we really have to be able to do is say, look, Lord, I'm willing to used scars and all I'm willing to be vulnerable with my friends I'm willing to be vulnerable with my coworkers, with the people I talk with on the street wherever it is I will be open and honest about what's going on in my life how you're helping me overcome some struggles how you've changed my life and transformed it scars and all I can imagine it's a little hard for old Larry, that, with all the cuts and bruises and all the things that he went through, because his weakness is pretty obvious. Some of us can hide him a little better. My encouragement would be, people who are far from God <laughs> will be so much more open to hearing about God when, he, when they see we've got challenges and struggles and pains and sufferings too. That we're not perfect. But we know one who is. And it changes everything for us. And the transformation all of a sudden becomes real. And the, the opportunity all of a sudden becomes so much more rich. For people to hear about Jesus Christ. My prayer this morning is that we would become people who are on heartbeat with the Lord that we, God's already doing a movement here in this church. He's doing a movement all over the world. My prayer is that we would just start to, to get in sync with that, with what God's doing, and that we'd be willing to say, God, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll do whatever you want for your kingdom purposes. God, I'll, I'll, go, I'll, I'll go love people that, to be honest, in my natural state, I don't love, but I'll go and serve them, and I'll go and share. I'll do whatever you want. That's how God changes Lives, and that's how this kingdom of God is moving forward. It's how we were reached. Someone was willing to love us in the pit that we were in. Have you ever heard someone say, Boy, you know, if that person ever became a Christian, that'd be a real miracle, right? Well, you know, that would be amazing if that kind of saying, like, they're so far from God. For when I became a Christian, it was a lot easier because I wasn't that far from God. That's kind of what it's saying. I remember saying that one time, and someone challenged me on it. And they said, You know how arrogant that sounds? And I go, What do you mean? They go, That you're saying that you were not that far from God when you accepted Christ. The truth is, we're all far from God until his powerful saving love just explodes into our heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your love and for your gracious uh, love letter to us through your word. Lord, I pray that the, the word that we looked at today would, would move our hearts to love others, to be willing to go wherever you send us, to be willing to just go across the street if it's what it takes. Lord, help us to, to know what it means to experience a transformation of our lives and be able to share that with others in a way that builds your kingdom and, and um, leads others to find you. Praise, thanks in your name. Amen.